Well, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to our next installment to the Direct Selling Executives Forum Women in Leadership Series. Today's an exciting day. We have Tracy Rogers McCauley here on the line uh, joining us today. And I want to give you a little bit of a background on Tracy. I love her story because it actually reminds me of, of, of people in my life that got me into network marketing years ago. My own I, I came in network marketing through my own sister's success as a distributor. And Tracy, who's running her own company today, started as a distributor in the space. So it had success over the the last three years moved to the highest rank uh, in her own company, um, did over $500 million in sales through the group, and is now today started her own direct selling company. And, and when we were going through topics inside of the DSEF and talking about the question of what it takes to win in today's space and what it, what it looks like, I said, man, what about someone who's just transitioned from the field to running their own direct selling company? What would that be like? I was so grateful uh, that Tracy was open to being here today and being on the panel with us. Uh, for those of you that are brand new to the podcast and just checking it out for the very first time, uh, the DSEF is an invite-only forum for direct selling executives only. If you haven't joined us on LinkedIn, you can go to www.linkedin.com and type in direct selling executive forum or go to direct selling executive forum.com and you'll be forwarded to the group. Tracy, thank you so much for being here with us today. We're grateful to have Yawn. Thank you. I'm so excited to be on. I'm honored that you would ask me. Uh, this is fun. Now, how this works, there's all kinds of questions that get asked inside of our forum and asked inside of the panel leaders. I've passed the questions over to Gail. So it's like Jeopardy. She's our random shuffler here, and she's going to go ahead and give us these questions today. Um, and I love just listening. I, I learned just as much as I, I know the 400-some executives that get a chance to listen to the podcast and, and watch on our live streams on LinkedIn. And so Gail Ansato, who's been our, our host for the entire Women in Leadership series, thank you so much for being here today, Gail. And want to pass it over to you. Thank you, Sir Ben. Hi, Tracy. Uh, Hi. It's so great to have you here on today's episode of the DSEF. And today's episode is actually entitled "What It Takes to Win in 2023." Now uh, we're into half of the year, and the direct selling industry continues to evolve, presenting opportunities and challenges for all types of businesses. Our first question is: You left a seven-figure income as a top earner to start your own direct selling company. Can I ask why? Yes, you can, because everybody asked me that. Um, I love this industry. I, I actually started in 1988 as a single mom and never really made it to the top, just kind of, you know, played with it. I made it to kind of a medium leadership level, never really put my heart and passion into it. But I knew that I loved it. And so about six years ago, I started with a company that was just launching. I wanted things to change. And so I, I worked really hard. I did the, I did all the things. I got really good being um, comfortable, being uncomfortable. I honestly thought I'd be with that company for the rest of my life. I, I loved it. I loved everything I did. I love my team. And as I was going around to different masterminds, uh, I, I think I've been to like 24 of Rob Sperry's and some other people, but he, he was kind of my mentor in the business and listening to other top leaders about things that they felt was broken in the industry. And as great as this industry is, there were some broken things and one of the biggest things was, um, you know, we're we're considered a 1099, but we're treated as a W-2. And typically when a, a leader gets to a higher level, we have to put on what's called the golden handcuffs. And so I, I was hearing this, you know, hearing this and, and, you know, fast forward. And so, you know, it's been about a year and a half, but um, God called me to walk away. And mm -hmm. I argued for three months going, 
Lord, are you sure that you realize how much money I'm walking away from? Because $1.6 million a year is a lot of money. <laughs> mm -hmm. And I just, it, I this is what I was led to do. Um, we are a faith-based business. The message I kept getting was, go change it. Go, mm -hmm. go disrupt the industry. Go do something different. And so I wanted to create a company, number one, that was for the field, by the field. And I wanted to create a company that we truly, truly treated people as a 1099. Now, I know there's a couple of companies that are up and coming and they're doing the same thing. And that's so exciting. But I really wanted to give people the freedom to work within that 1099 and not have all the, you know, this is what you can do and this is what you can't do. Um, because the reality is if I tell somebody that they can't rep another company or they can't, you know, put their products here or do this or do that, obviously they need to be ethical and legal, then I'm treating them like a W-2. Uh, that was one of the biggest reasons why I listened and went, okay, so that was a big thing for me. And I also had noticed, and, and a big thing from other leaders was, you know, they'd get to the top and then all of a sudden things would change and the bonuses would be pulled away and the comp plan would be changed, you know, for the worse. And they would lose a significant amount of their income that they'd worked so hard for. I wanted to have a comp plan that if I did change, we're changing it for the better for the field that they would actually make more money. So those are two big components. But, um, you know, again, God kind of laid it on my heart. I argued for a couple of months and then I really got yeah. quiet and started listening. So that's what prompted me to walk away from that. And, and we're just really excited here at Adair. Yeah, it's such an important reminder, Tracy, to anyone who's watching to understand that Hey, this person's an independent contractor. You know, many times you talk about faith, you know, I, I like to compare it to a uh, volunteer army and you think of like volunteers at a church or something, right? There's only certain things you can do to lead them in their world and then they got to show up and do the rest, you know, and so many times we have to remember this is a volunteer army. That's such a powerful reminder when we, when we expect anyone to be something they're not, we're likely to get frustrated, right? Whether it's a parent with your children or whether you're, it's an, you're an executive leading your team, then a lot of your frustrations at times come from expecting something to be something it's not. And when we get back to, okay, this yeah. is what it is, or where can we fill it in? There's something good there. That's awesome. That's great. Thank you for that very um, insightful answer, Tracy. The second question is, what traps would you invite your peers to avoid in the current marketplace? Um, there's, there's a lot, but if I was just going to say a few, I think the first one, and it sounds so simple, but I think it's, it's overthinking it. It's a big trap to overthink things. And sometimes we make something so simple, so hard. I, I say the first trap is stop overthinking it. If you're looking at, you know, a company or you're looking at, you know, what you want to do within the company, really look at why you want to do it and what your goals are. Like, what do you want to accomplish financially with your time freedom? What do you want out of this for you and your family and for others? But we tend to overthink things. And I, and, and it sounds so simple, but it, it's a big trap. Um, the other thing I think is, you know, do do your homework, you know, do your homework. Uh, I, I love what Rob Surrey says about, you know, you've got to believe in the network, you know, marketing industry, believe in your company, believe in yourself, believe in the products. So those four things go together. Do you believe in this industry? Okay, go to the next one. Do you believe in this company? Go to the next one. You know, do you believe in the products? Do you believe in yourself? And I think a, a big trap is we get caught up sometimes. I know I have in the past um, over since 1988 with the shiny blingy ball. Know why you're going in the industry, what you want out of it. And don't overthink it. That's a super, I know it, it, it sounds so simple, but I myself have talked myself right out of promotions, opportunities, 
um, earning incentives because I'm overthinking all the, well, what if this, or what if that? The other thing I want to say too is, and I don't know if this is part of the answer that you're looking for, but, and, and I'm going to speak with my company. My last company was a startup company. Um, but here's the trap that people fall into. And I, and I love, like I said, I, I love me some startup companies, but a big trap is expecting the same things out of a startup company that you would out of a company that's been around for 50 years, like Tupperware or Mary Kay mm. or Shackley or any of these <laughs> startup companies are great, but they're not for everybody. And I think a big trap for people is only seeing that, wow, I'm going to get into this at the beginning. You know, my, my ID number is 14, 15, 18. I'm going to, you know, but the trap is you've got to work it just like you would any other company. You have to put the time and consistent effort into that as you would if you're joining a company that was 40 years old. But also you're at the beginning, you're at the startup and you're growing with that company. And there's a lot of great benefits to it. It's not for everybody, but I know myself with my last one, you know, the first year and a half was really hard and there was a lot of bumps in the road and back orders and out of stock and things. We focus on what we have in that company, whatever company you're with. So focus on what you've got. Don't focus on what you don't have yet. And if you love what you've got so far and you love the corporate and you love the product and you love the community, focus on that and don't get into the trap of, I'll do it when we have this. I'll do it when we have that. You might as well go join a company that's 20 years old. There's a lot of great benefits to joining a startup, but don't fall into the trap of comparing it to a company yeah. that's been around for 20 or 30 years. Does that make sense? Totally. It's so much to be said about focus on how to win with what you got. You know, the corporate team. How to win with what you got. Yeah. Yeah. And that's such a great message for the field because the, the corporate team's got a vision. You know, many of you on this line, some of you overshare. You know, I've heard that complaint in the field sometimes. You know, you got some project you're working on as a corporate team. It's going to be ready in six months. But you get so excited that you want some good news to the field. And you say, hey, this is cool. Things coming up. Cool things coming up. And you rob yourself of the victory. Because you share it too early. What Tracy's talking about is a, a big note you can we can all learn from as direct selling executives, gang, is as you're working on your initiatives of what's coming out in the next 90 days or a promotion that's coming out in 120 days or a contest that's going to start in six months, you don't have to tell anybody about it yet. You'll tell them about it when the time's right to tell people about it. You, you, can, mm, you can practice a little patience and hush and you can have good things in store for the future. I like to bring the example back to parenting. I think this is a great way to think about it. Like there's all kinds of things you want to do for your children. You don't tell them about them when they're seven years old, or eight years old at times, right? You you wait till they're 16 or they're 18 or you and you bring it to them at the right time in that in their life to be able to be a blessing. Same thing with your field when you're building a referral marketing. I mean, hear what Tracy's saying is sometimes sometimes it's it's our own fault as leaders when we talk too much future casting that we're bringing their head into the clouds of what's not here. And now they're complaining why that's not already here yet. It's better to have your field focused on exactly what's in front of them right now where they can win. That is, I love that. I then I want to say, so I was invited to a a conference in March as a, as a friend, just a guest. And because Mm -hmm. I knew the VP and I, I I admired and adored some of the top leaders. I went, I was excited to go and I'll never forget a story. The gal was on stage and they had just launched in Canada. Like, I don't know, not too long ago, maybe a year, maybe two years ago. I don't know. Within less than a year, she had made it to one of their top diamond ranks. Mm -hmm. And her team was always going, well, how come the U.S. has that and we don't have that in Canada? How come the U.S. has that and we don't have that? Well, they've got that and we don't have that. When Canada has what they have, then I'm going to work this business. And she said, you know what? I'm going to work with what I have. Mm-hmm. And she made it to the top diamond rank 
in less than a year because she was focused on what she had to run with. I tell that to my, you know, my consultants all the time. If we focus on what we have and we run with that, we're going to, we're going to get everything we want out of this industry. And so I love that story. I would, I think out of everything I heard at their conference that just really stuck with me. Um, Like you just said, work with what you have, focus on what you've got. Thank you for all those insights. So just to recap, stop overthinking it, do your homework and don't get trapped expecting uh, the same things out of a startup company from a big company. I mean, there's startup companies every week and people are attracted Mm -hmm. to them, but at the same time, and they're great, but at the same time, because they're exciting, keep your expectations where they need to be. Mm -hmm. Now, the next question is, what has been the biggest surprise to you since you started your own referral marketing company? (laughs) Oh, y'all, <laughs> there are days when I wake up and and think if I knew then what I, I knew now, um, you know, it's a whole different ball game. It's a whole different ball game. And, and there are days where I, I truly beat my head against the ball and, and I just almost want to cry myself to sleep because it's, it's so different than being a top leader and letting the, the company as the umbrella do all the work. And you're just out there, you know, building your team and selling product. I, you know, I got to say that it, it's a whole different ball game, but I love it. You know, and what I what I have learned is that this the first year, you know, we're, we're uh, June 26 will be 14 months that we launched with retail. The first year, it was pretty frustrating because I'm I'm great at being a top leader in a company, um, but I'm brand new to being a CEO and an owner. Right. And I've got an incredible corporate team that surrounds me. We've got like six corporate people. Um, I've got some leaders from the field that, uh, you know, work side by side with me. We link arms together you know, they help decide on new product and programs and all kinds of things. But I would say, you know, the first year was a real learning curve. I had to give myself grace. Um, I was really hard on myself and I had to give myself a lot of grace to go, you know, after the first year to look back and say, I'm going to take what didn't work. I'm going to look at what worked and I'm going to improve on that. So what didn't work, we're just going to throw it out the window mm-hmm. and we're going to revise that. And what did work, we're, you know, we're going to amplify that. Um, so it was a really good year to learn, you know, what works and what doesn't work. Um, even our comp plan, we we just revamped and enhanced. And I'm really excited about it. We just launched it this month. But, it, you know, it takes a while because it's a different role. I guess it's kind of like assistant manager at Wells Fargo. And then you go off to become a manager in New York at Chase Bank. It's a whole, you're in the banking world, but it's like a whole different ballgame or CEO. So um, it's been a, it's been a whirlwind. Um, but I can honestly say that I, I'm, I'm a person that maybe some of you can relate to this. And if you can't, I hope you write this down. We never learn from our successes. We've, I don't know one person that's, that learns from their successes and makes them better. I have learned from my mistakes and I have learned from my failure. John Maxwell has a book called Failing Forward. That's been my direct sales life since 1988. I I look at this last year that I failed forward in such an exciting way. And I got to learn and grow, um, you know, as a CEO and owner. And the one thing I will say is it really builds character when you're out of your comfort zone. You know, I used to... uh, tell people that, you know, the only way to get good in this industry is to get comfortable being uncomfortable. I quote Rob Spurry a lot, sorry, but he's been my mentor for five years. And Rob always says that uh, new levels, new devils. 
And I would call him up several times crying, going, this is a new level and I'm facing a new devil. Mm -hmm. um, but it's really given, you know, it, it brings out your character and it brings out who you are. And so this is a whole different role for me, but I'm learning and I'm learning with grace um, and I'm learning yeah. um, with excitement. And um, so, yeah, it's, it's been a, it's been a whole different ball game, but I wouldn't trade it for the world. And I can't wait to see where my character and my learning skills and everything uh, is going to be a year from now, two years from now. You know, Tracy, that process you talked about of unpacking of you, you're out there in the marketplace, you see what works, see what doesn't work, let go of what doesn't work, double down on what works. You know, we're big on that rinse and repeat thought. There was actually a report I'll highlight uh, for the DSEF. Gail, we can add it to the show notes. Uh, there was a, a report we published for the mm -hmm. DSEF back in January that was about viral trends in referral marketing. And the whole premise of that report what is this idea that um, there's a decision-making framework we need to follow as executives mm -hmm. so that we are measuring the right numbers when making decisions so that we are making the right decision of what to throw away, what right. to keep inside of our organization. And, and we've had a lot of response from peers in space because of that. So, so that same experience is it's what it is for all of us. And so it comes down to the numbers we're actually looking at at the end of the day. You know, the next question I see here in the queue uh, that Gail has is exactly about that. So let, let's go right to it, Gail. This is this is great that Tracy just highlighted it. So go ahead. What are the top two to three data points for decision making you look for when running a company? Well, I think Ben hit it. You know, at the end of the day, it's a numbers game. I mean, it really is. And, and I know from a, a, a CEO founder's standpoint, people can talk all day about what they're going to do, you know, or what they love or what. But at the end of the day, it's it's a numbers game. And so, you know, daily we're going in and I, I check the numbers, check the growth, check the attrition, check the, you know, so that's a big part of it. Um, I will be honest with you as far as data, maybe I'm misunderstanding this, but um, I'm just going to be honest because you know what, maybe you're out there thinking, I want to start my own company, but I'm not good at Excel sheets and I'm not good at all the data processing. I'm going to be honest with you. I have the most incredible chief strategist on the planet earth. And so um, one of the mistakes I made in the beginning was trying to be all the things. So this may not be the answer you want, but somebody's going to relate to this. I quickly learned that I'm not good at numbers. I'm not good at certain getting data and stuff like that. I'm just being honest. And so one of the mistakes I made was trying to be all the things and, sure. and because that's what CEOs do. And so basically what came down to it just in January is I turned all that type of stuff over to our chief strategists and I do what I'm best at. And so I'm best at motivating our, our team. I'm best at training. I'm best at connecting. I'm best at growing. And so that was lacking because I was trying to put myself in a box that I didn't fit in because that's just not my personality. And so since kind of handed that off to him, because that's where his brain is. He's, he's a whiteboard guy. Like, you know, he's just amazing. Things are flourishing. Not only is our company flourishing and our leaders and our consultants, but I'm flourishing as well because I'm back doing the things that I'm best at. So as far as like data points, like I, I know what I have my hand my on the company every day. I know, but he gives me that information. I don't have to go find it. And I'm really blessed that way. So if you're a person out there thinking, I would love to start my own company one day, but I'm not good at numbers and I'm not good at all the things. That's what I think makes a success too. Um, no one person can be successful. So I was blessed right. enough to find a team and we took all their strengths and we combined them together and we're one strong, you know, one strong unit. I'm, I'm just kind of, I guess, admitting to you guys, I don't, sure. I don't, I don't well, do a lot of data stuff, but I, I well, do check the numbers every day. Which numbers do you like to look at when you check each day? 
Just sales, I like subscriptions, enrollments. Yeah, so, you know, I look, sales every day, that puts a, a pulse on, you know, where we're headed for the month because I look mm -hmm. at the week and then I I'll multiply that and see what we would come out for the month or I'll see where we need help on. So if we're lower in sales, then we might run an incentive, you know, or we might do different things like that. Um, enrolling, we just did a really incredible thing with enrolling. By looking at it, I can put my finger on, this is what needs to happen. We need more sales. So we're going to run an incentive or we're going to do this. We mm -hmm. need more enrolling. So we're going to do this. So we're going to do that. So yeah. by knowing the numbers, I know for a fact where we need to be for the end of the month. If we're low on the 10th um, I, or the first week of the month, then I know what we, for our goal, what we have to do to catch up to that. Sure. Um, or if we're over, then I know that, you know, if we can, if we continued on this course for the next, you know, three weeks of the month, that this is where we're going to wind up. So it gives me a lot of projections as far as not only what our sales and recruiting is, um, but the growth of the company. And I think that's really important. So I do know that yeah. really, really well. Um, but I just don't do all the, you know. How very Henry Ford of you, right? To have other great smart people on the team, right? There's famous I'm really blessed, of, yeah. Of who I'm do you need? Really... So we'd love to do book recommendations all the time, gang, on the show. For those of you that are that resonated with how Tracy said, it, hey, I got people good at that. Great book, Who Not How? Instead of asking how to do this or yes. how to do that in your business. You can always ask mm -hmm. if you have a who, is there a who on your team that can do that? You know, I can share from my own experience of running uh, next in the last 13 years. You know, there were seven of us here when we first started and there were 65 of us here today. It is a very different team uh, today than it was 13 years ago. And so you can resonate uh, with Tracy. Some of you who are in these younger startup modes trying to wear every single hat. And I know some of you are watching the show. Others of you are saying, oh, we got past that a decade ago. And some of you are still in that spot. So it's important to stop on that thought for a moment. What Tracy just, just shared as well on the numbers gang, once again, I want to just go back to the report in the show notes. Uh, we expand on that thought. You talked about a lot of transactional data points. And today you have to start with transactional data points, but there is more available to that. And so I would encourage you, uh, to check out the DSEF's uh, most recent uh, report. I, I love that you provide that because here's the reality. There's yep. a lot of people that they need, they need something like that. They don't know where to find it. And yep. so the fact that that's something that you excel in, you, you can, you know, offer that. Um, what a great tool. And I just want to encourage people. I know I'm going to be looking at it. Um, I think everybody needs to look at what tools they can have to put in their toolbox to better their company and their business. So I know I'm going to, I'm excited to be talking to you about that because, you know, uh, we're living in a different world now with technology yeah. and stuff. So um, yeah, you guys go check that out. I know I'll, I'll definitely be talking to you as well. I'm excited. Perfect. We, we have just one more question for our time today. We're so happy to have you here, Tracy. Uh, Gail, let's go ahead and wrap it up with our final one while we still have Tracy. Go ahead. Thank you for that, Tracy. Um, if you could go back in time about five years, knowing all that you know now, what would you tell yourself? Five years wasn't that long ago. That's kind of when I started with my last company. Mm -hmm. um, I think, you know what, I, I'll be honest. I think the first one uh, would be, and maybe somebody is uh, really be smart with your money. I was smart with my money, but mm -hmm. I'm just going to say this because it's a, it's a big problem um, that when a person comes in and starts making six and seven figures a year and they're not used to it um it's really easy to get caught up in i've got all this money you know if i spend it i'm making i'll get two hundred thousand dollars next month and i was really obviously i was good with my money because i was able to you know create a company and you know but i could have been smarter 
I could have been smarter. So the one thing I would say I would tell myself is I would have sooner gotten a financial, you know, advisor and really gotten like super Elon Musk smart with my money, right? Mm -hmm. I was smart, but I could have been smarter. And I know that's an issue out there in the industry when people aren't used to making six and seven figures a year, it's really easy to go into Louis Vuitton and drop 30 grand like it's $5 because mm -hmm. I've done it. Um, so that's the first thing I would say. I've been in direct sales since 1988 and I, I was floundering. I was just like a fish out of water never took it serious, wasn't willing to do what I needed to do to get to that top mm -hmm. level. And so six years ago, when I did get into my last company, um, I knew what I had to do. I knew I had to read um, personal development every day. I, I started with um, You Are a Badass to mm -hmm. get rid of my baggage. Like I did a lot of things six years ago. So I'm really glad. I'm really glad that six years ago, I, I started that journey with personal development and all and all the work. Um, because if I hadn't, there's no way I'd be sitting here owning a company today, but a lot of people haven't. So I was a little ahead of the game on that, but I would tell people, um, but I didn't do that for the first 30 years of my direct selling industry. And mm -hmm. so I would tell people that buckle down and focus on um, personal development and network. I'm so glad, Ben, that we have been able to, you know, kind of come together and we're going to get to know each other. Networking is what it's all about because mm -hmm. I may not have a strength, but I know Ben's got a strength. And if we can combine our mass together, then not only does that help him, but it helps me. So personal development and network, 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 network. And don't be afraid. Don't be afraid to collaborate with people. Collaboration is the most important, incredible tool that we have. And we don't use it enough. I started that journey five years ago, but I know a lot of people aren't. And I'm glad yeah. I did because if I hadn't of, uh, we wouldn't be having this conversation today. Well, Tracy, I love the candid honesty of that because thank you for being so vulnerable on the call today because what's so important, gang, is that, I mean, I have heard Tracy's story, what she just shared as a top earner, not having the certain financial disciplines um, at that level. You kind of hear about it in, in sports media, right, with a guy who worked real hard to be in the NFL and play high school football and he gets to college and gets his, his sign-on bonus and blows through, you know, $12 million in his first year. Um, because he doesn't know how to handle money. Now he's playing for the bills or whatever that is, right? So we hear these stories in news media and say, oh, wow, look, this guy's working construction after three years in the NFL and he couldn't keep the millions of dollars he made. The same thing happens in direct sales. And, and I love that Tracy's talking about it because um, that personal, you, we can't assume that everyone who's building groups and having success is doing the personal development work to have proper stewardship in their life when they get to the next level and next level and next level. That's that another devil for the next level quote that's that we talk about at times. Gang, one, one book that's an asset that I've seen a number of clients put into their training materials. Uh, we use it with our own team um, at, at our company as well, uh, is the book richest man in Babylon talks about, mm, yeah. uh, simple stewardship and understanding how to make your money work for you without it being, you know, one specific investment over another. It's an old timey story of ancient times of, a of, a, a man who is a merchant and how he preserves his money. And it's a powerful tool. That's a real simple read. Someone can read in just a few hours, um, that will help your top leaders. And it's one of those things to teach, um, teaching financial stewardship, um, and, and having personal development as a part of your experience of these ambassadors being able to say, wow, I'm a better person just because I was a part of that community, right? Regardless of the money I earned and being a part of the team, wow, the materials and the things they had me read and the person I was able to become because of hanging out with Tracy or hanging out with your company. We want people to be able to say that. You want people to be able to grow as a human being. 
Well, Teresa, it was is such an honor to have you out here today. Uh, for those of you that are watching on LinkedIn or on YouTube who haven't yet joined the group and haven't yet posted in questions, go to LinkedIn and join the Direct Selling Executives Forum. It's absolutely free, invite-only community for direct selling executives. And subscribe. If you're watching on Spotify, Anchor FM, or you're here on Apple Podcasts, subscribe so you get the next episode. We have been so blessed to have the roster of speakers we have. It's an incredible lineup, and there's even so many more that are be popping on even right after Tracy's episode, gang, that this is the stuff you want to be filling your mind with. There are some just gems here. Well, Tracy, it was an absolute pleasure to have you here today. Thank you so much, everybody, for being here with us today. We'll look forward to connecting with you soon. Have a blessed day. Bye for now. 